Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Mastering Rod Building Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Faulkner, and I'm honored to have another very special guest with me today. And that is none other than the woman, the myth, the legend, Mary McIntyre Christie. Most of you, if you were enthusiastic rod builders and you have ever heard or seen any social media related to rod building, know exactly who Mary is. But uh, Mary's been a custom rod builder for about 13 years. She is one of the brand ambassadors for the Foundation Outdoor Group and was a brand ambassador prior to that for American Tackle. She's a founder of the decorativestudio.net, which we'll talk about, and you should definitely check out a great source of rod building dedicated tools and supplies, uh, lessons, all of which are sort of tested and proven. And she's also, and I think this is how we met, the co-founder of the Southern Rod Builders Group on Facebook, although she is co-founder with her husband, Wes. So I don't know that we should be giving him any credit. I mean, he's already hard enough to handle and keep in the penalty box. So I'm tempted to fudge that and say the founder of the Southern Rod Builders Group. But welcome, Mary McIntyre Christie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. One of the things I've come to know about Mary over time and respect is in addition to being the mom of three boys, two of which she gave birth to and one of which she married, that are a full-time job, is she's a busy, busy lady. I meant to have you on for a while. We we couldn't always get it scheduled between our two schedules when we wanted to, but I'm delighted to finally have you here. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. This is awesome. I can almost feel myself getting smarter in my decorative thread work, tightening up and getting better just by you being here and listening to your voice. It's like a Pavlovian response because every time I've watched or taken one of your classes, I always learn something to get better. So I always ask my guests, how did you get into fishing and how did you get into rod building? <laughs> it's a funny story for me. Well, I, I want to hear it. I totally got into this completely backwards. I actually never fished, but prior to meeting Wes, I had two incidents. One, when I was younger, I went fishing with my dad and my grandpa and my brother on a Holden Beach Canal. And we caught the ugliest fish we'd ever seen in my life. We had no idea what it was. Come to find out it was a toadfish. That is and an then, ugly fish. It's a super ugly fish. But then the second incident, I was a teenager and we went fishing on a headboat, which the guy that I was between my mom and my dad, but then this random guy kind of like weaseled himself in between me and my dad and he was drinking and mm-hmm. all he just he threw up all over me. I quit after that. I was like, nope, I just. <laughs> you know, it's so funny when you said incidents, there have been two incidents. I was like, allegedly like, oh, my gosh, it sounds like I'm reading a legal brief or something <laughs> or the court proceedings. But those were actually ins- the toadfish is borderline. Like I kind of think it's cool to catch a fish you haven't seen before in a new species, and it's it takes more and more these days to get me to go to my Doctor Bob Ship book and be like, "What fish is this of the Gulf of Mexico?" But um, you know the yeah the headboat puking thing. I, I thought it was going to go another way. A lot of people on their first headboat trip, you know, they they eat hot dog and drink too much and. They're the ones who get the diesel fumes and don't feel so well. But this guy literally pukes on you. He literally puked all over me, so. Well, was- somehow that seems like a fitting intro to uh, to motherhood and to uh, the rod building experience thus far. Right. At 16, I was like, what the hell? I- well, I'm glad you stuck with it. Oh, so, so you had the two incidents. It sounds like, you know, you've been through counseling. You're all reconciled and good with the incidents. So something got you back trying this again. Well, it actually was Wes because okay. uh, I met. 
I re-met him. I actually met him in middle school. We knew each other in middle school. Really? But um, yeah, we call him my stalker. It's actually a running joke because in Rock Hill, we had a bunch of middle schools, only two high schools. And they built a new middle school, filtered a bunch of us into the new one. And they were supposed to build the new high school before we got to ninth grade. And they didn't build it. So we were together for two years and then we got split up. And then for 12 years, he couldn't find me, but he was looking for me. He found me on Facebook finally. Yeah, so just for the record, he wasn't the one who weaseled between your parents and or your no, mom and uncle and puked on you. Okay, all right. I was a full just checking. I'm not. A, I just want to make sure I got my facts straight. <laughs> he found me on Facebook in like 2011, and oh, this is absolutely stalking. Yeah, stalking. Um, I was one of the last people to get on Facebook because during that time, you know, Facebook when it first came out was just for people that went to college. I didn't go to college because Mary Mary's previous life was dancing, singing, acting. I was a musical theater kid. Really, I didn't yeah. know that. I was dancing since I was three. Uh, How did I, I not know this? Okay, this explains so much because you clearly have a totally like artistic, creative <laughs> side. Uh, I would have yeah. never guessed the music and the dance and this. Okay, that's it. I'm getting you. We're going to be, as we record this right now, it's literally hours before, just a few days before the t- 2024 ICRBE. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing a guitar. I'm going to make you sing. So you might as well pick <laughs> the songs you want to sing right now. We're going to get some of Lori Baird's moonshine. All inhibitions will be gone and you will be, you will be singing and, and uh, it will be my honor to, to share the, the stage or bar stool with you. Oh man, don't do that to me, but. Okay. All right. Well, that doesn't sound like a stage personality. I mean, You're supposed to be craving attention and dying for the, the microphone. Yeah. Well, eh, that, that used to be Mary. Okay. Okay. But okay. When I, when I got. Wes, Wes stocked all that creative energy right out of you. <laughs> No, it all gets dumped into the rods at this point. He met me in 2011. His family, avid fishermen. They okay. went to the beach all the time. They took me fishing. Uh, he actually introduced me to rod building, which is was funny. He, he Was he a captain or a mate or used to work on boats or something? Like, am I making that no. up? Okay. No, he didn't used to. Um, he started his business with his grandfather. Okay. And it was like two years old, so like 2009, 2010, when he did his. Okay. And... I remember he took me up to the rod building room. Prior to that, I was like, why would people buy a custom fishing rod? It makes no sense. Like, why don't they just go to Walmart? I literally said this, you know, and it's such a ridiculous statement. That's hilarious to me. I am. You're not saying that anymore, by the way. No, I'm not saying that anymore. I'm always like, but people find it funny that I was of that mentality. Right. I did. And so we were up there talking. He was putting epoxy on and then. We're all chit-chatting and he literally looks at me and he goes, you know what? You're really creative. I think that you would be able to figure this out. And he threw a book across the room to me, you know, and I'm like, okay, what is this? And I flip it over and it's Billy's decorative wraps book. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I can't figure out, we can do chevrons, we can do diamonds. I don't know anything past that. You know, I think that you would be really good at doing this. And I'm like, I don't even know what the butt of a rod is right now. Are you serious? (laughs) I've had two incidents. There was a toadfish and a and a drunk <laughs> an emesis, yeah, a puking incident. Like, come on, man. But I sat down with and, and the that book, book. The book she's referring to is called Decorative Raps by Billy Vavona. You can probably get it through the NURBS or Northeastern Rod Builder website. I, I know they sell sell copies through Muddle Tackle and probably some other places. So just search Decorative Raps by Billy Vavona if you want to if you want to see this book. But keep going. Sorry. But I flipped through the book and I'm like, I have no idea what this is trying to tell me. And I started to get online and mm-hmm. there's no information out there about decorative wraps at that point. Right. Right. And so luckily his grandfather was a hoarder. He had all the rod makers. He had all the books. All, so I sat down with Dale Clemens, Fred Art, 
Billy's book and like two different tutorials that were in yeah. Rodmaker. And yeah. I sorted through all the information. So I literally got brought literally self-taught yeah. self and was brought in just to make things look pretty. That was my job. West okay. built the rod. I made it look good. That was my job. Interesting. And over time, that dynamic has shifted. Because yeah, I was going to say, my how the turns have tabled. Yeah, because now Wes is <laughs> HVAC, so he's never home. So right. I had to learn how to do everything by myself. Right. Yeah, you, you can build the whole rod now for sure. I can build the whole rod now, you know. <laughs> I, I still ask him because, you know, he's my my mentor. He's the one who taught me. So I'm always like, you know, is this right? And he's like, yeah, why are you second guessing yourself? And I'm like, because, you know, yeah. why not ask your second opinion on this? So Sure, sure. That's how I got into rod building was through him. And him throwing a book at me. That's so cool. And I think you are the first person I've met who, with the exception of maybe Tom Morgan's wife, you're the first person I met who built rods before they really fish. That's that's yeah. a, that's not a common path. Mm-mm. Well, so th- this and the the creative background is so interesting to me because you recently I, I follow you on all your social media platforms. So I think I'm following you on TikTok and on Facebook and on Instagram. And one of the reasons I love to follow you, uh, you mentioned Rodmaker. I mean, which golly, to have those books. If you had to pick two books, those two books, and then have all the back issues of Rodmaker, like what a great resource to start with, right? Mm-hmm. It also sort of helps me understand two of the things you do really well that I like. Well, well, there's a lot of things, but one of the things is you're just very creative. You try a lot of different things, you do stuff, and sometimes it's just like a riff or a adaptation or an evolution of a technique. Like you recently had a thing on where you were marbling with bead chain. Mm-hmm. In a, I know all about marbling, know how to do it. I know people who are good at it. I know what I don't like about the marbling. I don't like, it's fascinating. I would have never in a million years taken the bead chains and did what you did with it, but such a cool look, right? Um, yeah. I, you know, I think about the, you're so famous. Uh, it, well, you're famous to me and to a lot of rod builders for the sugar skull rod, right? And yeah. this is one of the things that you shared on, so this is a rod where Mary not only she, she had a very specific decorative theme all throughout the rod, which included embossed or engraved or embossed leather grips, which were also painted and tinted and stained and, and the wraps. And then you've done your beautiful closed decorative thread wraps and put things on there. I remember you put some buttons on a rod, I think for a, maybe for a gunnery sergeant or a Marine or somebody, there's a military theme rod. You've put, I think maybe the sugar skull rod had some diamonds or crystals or something on it like it's such an interesting and i think maybe you know you're jokingly saying i want to check with my second opinion to make sure i'm right the fact that you came into this from the creative side from rod building and didn't have the baggage of having looked at a bunch of factory rods or seen what a bunch of other custom rod builders were doing i mean that's so fascinating obviously you have a very creative mind but maybe maybe that's where some of these innovations and pushing the boundaries and trying different things comes from is is because you you haven't you're not stuck in the mud with all the way everybody's been doing everything and you didn't learn it in exactly the way the rest of us learned it i mean maybe that's obviously combined with your talent and your sort of hard work and diligence um that that's fascinating to me that that potentially explains a lot because i love how how creative you are about things and to that end this also makes a lot of sense to me that you have. So if you don't mind, let's talk about if you go to the decorative studio.net or you go, you'll be better able to tell people all the various channels they can access your content through. But Mary has done a really good job of doing very practical, very easy to understand step-by-step lessons, either for specific wraps, a lot of times for specific wraps, but also for certain techniques for layout and thing like that. Like 
And I know you're someone I came to when I was thinking about starting my YouTube channel and being like, hey, what do you think? Is this useful content? Do I want to see it? You know, because you had started the Southern Rod Builders, which is a great group. You can find that on Facebook. Just Google the Southern Rod Builders. There's a 117 question quiz about rod building and fishing you have to pass in order to get into the group. <laughs> All you have to do is is be nice uh, and be nice to everybody, and it's a it's a great resource to learn. But talk to me about the lessons and how you got into that. And and now that I'm realizing you sort of learned all this by yourself in a vacuum, obviously you would understand what people need to know and what were the hard parts for you and what came intuitively and what like took you a while to figure out. Maybe that's why you're such an effective uh, instructor. But talk to me about the lessons and, and the stuff you teach and how people can get to that if they want to. So the courses for the decorative wraps actually started after we were doing Southern because um, Southern, we started doing live videos once Mm -hmm. a week. Okay. And then I had to, we had to dial it back because, you know, everybody got busy, but I started doing live videos on Wednesdays and I called She says everybody got busy. She means I had kids. That's what she means. She had kids. (laughs) I had a new, I had a newborn and a a three-year-old. So, you know, it was getting a little hectic, but I started Wednesdays was wrap Wednesdays and I would always teach something about decorative wraps on those days and nobody knew how to do a chevron. Nobody could understand how to space out, do the taper offset spacing, how they were having dramas with their threads being too loose, too tight, Uh, you know, all of these things. And I thought somebody needs to teach this, you know, so I actually decided, all right, this may be a crazy idea. I don't know if it's going to go well or not, but I put a couple of courses together. And I should say, this is pre-COVID. You know, a lot of people were sitting around working from home with nothing to do and and started putting some guilty. That's what gave me the to be able to put some of my stuff out there. But this was pre-COVID. This was like full on. You just sat down and started making these courses. Yeah, it was 2000. I think that was like, it was the year that my first one was born when I got the first one out. So like 2015-ish, okay, I had the first yeah. course put out. And I actually remember I had edited and done all this stuff and I was in the hospital and I pushed it out that day because I brought my laptop with me. <laughs> but um, Only the, course, the course went over so well, people were like, oh man, it answered everything. Because I literally sit you down I start you with, here's how you measure a blank. Here's how you're going to, you know, I always write my patterns out because it's easier for me to keep up with. Sure. Um, sure. Here's how to mark it on the blank. Here's the spacing. If your blank's yeah. different, refer to this spacing chart, blah, blah, right. blah. And we go thread for thread. Like there's no yeah. skipping. It's literally, okay, you're going this way now. Now you're going this way. Showing hacking techniques. So it would take me 60, 80 hours to get through all the recording and, you know, doing the wrap and then editing right. everything and then the voiceovers, but they get it in this little perfect little sandwich box between text and video that whoever, right. however they learn, they can figure out how to do it. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the thing that I think is so good about them. I and mean, they're, they're extremely well done and an outstanding value. If you're interested, I guess they can, how's the best way to access them? Decorativestudio.net. So all the courses are on threadcentral.net. And threadcentral.net. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I we I had it in, at a teachable website, but when Dave and I got in our collaboration, we moved everything to Thread Central. So and all she's, the she's referring to David Boyle. You all see Drongo. So David has also been a guest of the podcast and a, a brilliant mind and sort of finding a way to, to put this into, you know, easily digestible and understandable uh, educational content. Right. So, yeah, your lessons are very good. 
They're very thorough. I just sort of assumed you used to be an elementary school teacher or something, and that's why you could make these. But now I realize you had to learn this all for yourself, and it's sort of yeah. fresh. And so you remember this, and you could you could put it out there. You do a very good job. I think the lessons, and I'm an old dog who's done all this stuff, but I was always fascinated. I remember the first time I ever watched you rap. I'll say this, if you've seen Mary's work, then you understand what I'm talking about. She is meticulous. She has an incredible eye for color. And when she is finished with the wrap, they are flawless. They are straight. They are square. If they're supposed to be square, they are filled. They are like, and the amount of time she spends packing, and I'm just telling you, she is executing work at an extremely high level. So that in and of itself is worth respect. And, and I admire you for it. But you do a lot of things differently than other people do, which, again, probably gets to the self-taught thing. So, like, I'll tell you first one, like, one of the things people struggle with, and you already mentioned it, thread tension, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we were sort of learned, we were sort of taught the only way to get all these threads in there is to pull them as tight as you can. And, I mean, how many wraps have I done where the, the threads are so tight I could play them like a piano string or something, right? And then I watch you rap, and I'm like, wait, this is possible? This can't possibly work. She's got no thread tension. But then you wind up with this completely full completely packed, completely closed wrap. It's got no places where you've nicked a bunch of fuzzies from trying to pack these tight threads. And you're never going to have your, uh, I, I think of you every time I see someone post like, hey, I did this thing and I tied it off and I finished it. Now it's pulled the tie off loops in and I'm like, oh, here we go again. Someone's got to learn this hard lesson. Uh, talk to me about the thread tension a little bit though, because that's something you kind of arrived at on your own. And I don't know how much you want to talk about. I know people can get this from going to watch you rap live at a foundation outdoor group sponsored event or any number of rod building events. But talk to me about the popsicle stick and the carpet tape and the thread tension and all the sort of Mary Christie tricks that you've come up with and teach people now. The Maryisms, if you will. <laughs> Maryisms. Say hey, you call it whatever you want. All I, all I can um, tell you is they work. And anything she's teaching, she's done a hundred times before, and it works. And if you follow the instructions, it will work. So I like to cook. And occasionally you get someone who like give you a recipe, and then they have like three ingredients. It's like, dude, I can't even Google that. And nothing comes up. Like, where? thanks, Martha Stewart. Where am I supposed to get the ground cardamom seeds? <laughs> harvested in spring right like but uh you sell any of the stuff that's hard to get or that where a real specific brand matters and you make it really easy it's all in one place but um it's, how did you you just sort of developed all that stuff when it was your job to make rods pretty so for a long time see i always stay in the beginner mindset of where the beginners struggle because i know how long it took me to figure it out right, right. and i was one of those people that was you know my my wraps were not pretty when I first started. They were crooked. They this were is also hard for me to believe, but yeah. they, I still have my first wrap because Wes won't let me cut it off because his philosophy is you need to see how far you've come. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. But we're trying to use the light glare. We were trying to use tape and a thing to draw lines down the thing. Eventually, right. Wes and his dad built me a decorative wrap jig and I started using it to draw the lines down and immediately wraps started getting straighter. Yeah. They were just, you know, you had that line to follow. I was using right. a marker at that point in time because that was the only thing that was available that everybody said. That's, that's what the book said to use. That's to use that. Yeah. So right. it was like yeah. kept disappearing or rubbing off of my threads. And so right. I eventually landed into paint pens and I right. was like, it stays there. It doesn't chip. It doesn't cause any issues with the epoxy. Right. Paint tools. It was eventually I found this. It's a mechanics pick that I've just rounded off the the edge of it made it like a pointed round thing. And that's is that what it is? Your little tool with the orange or yellow handle? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't even know what a mechanics pick is, even as you tell me that, but it's, it's interesting. It's just a, I mean, it's this big, it's got yeah. a little orange handle. And, and originally it was this super sharp, just point, And we okay. just rounded off the point and I can move threads all over the place. 
Yeah. The popsicle stick and the duct tape. When I first started following the book, I was doing right. like a paper towel laid with the popsicle so it wouldn't damage the blank or the right. grips and tape yada, it. Yada, yada, yada. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, why are we doing the paper towel? That just seems excessive. It's right. making it bigger. And yeah, so, state of the art in 1979. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was it was the way to do it. Right. And so I just started taping the popsicle to, to the blank. And I yeah. was using masking tape at that point because we mm -hmm. all use masking tape. Sure. But I had one customer's, uh, he wanted a wrap on his, it was not a rebuild, nothing. Just can you add a wrap to it? Cool. I taped <laughs> it to the court grip like I normally did with the masking tape. When I went to remove it, it pulled out a chunk of the cork. And I went from Oops. that day on, yep. I never use masking tape again. It's always painter's tape because okay. <laughs> it won't stick to anything. You right. Know? Yeah. 100%. And then came across, like, I was having problems because, you know, you get these mountains, mm -hmm. footballs that were forming on the tape anchor, which yeah. then causes the the thread underneath to compress, and then right. it comes loose. So I was like, there's got to be something better. Right. sided duct tape. And that's the, like, everything that I was going, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. It was way. just solving a problem you were going through as, yeah. as you were learning. That's fascinating. You know I mean? So all of that stuff that I use, circle templates, the packing tools, paint pens, the duct tape, uh, the jigs, like all of mm -hmm. the actual tools that I use, I sell them. They're on threadcentral.net. Yep. And, you know, the jigs, one of the reasons why I continue to keep making the jigs is because a lot of people don't have them in stock. Um, no, they don't. Yeah. And they haven't always been of equal level of precision and quality over the years. Yours are very, very good. I still have one original from Clemens Custom Tackle. Mm -hmm. that I used for most of it. And then I have not been satisfied with any of the others I've tried, but the one that I got from you, I think it's been a couple of years now at either ICRBE or ICAST um, is outstanding. And we were just talking before we started recording today that uh, I got to get a couple more from you at ICAST. I got to put <laughs> one in my travel kit and, uh, and I never do a layout without the circle template. Um, you know, mm -hmm. obviously it works, it works great, but you got to have the right one. You got to have the one that has a little flex in it, you know, yeah. And you can't little push tricks it about far. Mark towards the butt end of the template. So you don't scrape the paint pen off. I mean, there's just a, I'm not going to give away the store here, but, um, I will say that your lessons are really good. There's a bunch of really practical, easy tips and tricks that once you get it once, it's like an aha moment. And I highly recommend them. They're worth, they're worth checking out if you want to, because it can be intimidating. It can be scary and it happens, you know, and, and that's, it leads me to another thing I love about what you do. And I'm coming across like a fanboy on your social media, but you know, <laughs> I do follow you and I will like and comment, do whatever. And I, I dig seeing what other rod builders are doing, especially people that are more creative than me, because I, like I got inspiration out of your bead chain marbling, but I would have never, if you let me build for a thousand years, I never would have tumble to that right so i really appreciate you sharing that inspiration with the rest of us but you also show your goofs and your fails and in a world of social media and this online life where everything's perfect and every day's great and you never see a photo where we're not posed and perfect with a beautiful background or whatever right you're not afraid to get on there and be like y'all i completely botched the chaos grip here's what happened here's what went wrong I love that. No, I mean, because that's what it's really like, right? Like I screwed something up last night because I was tired and in a hurry and trying to get it done before bed and it happens, right? And so I kind of love that you share that stuff because it's very easy to look at the level of your work and be like, oh, it's so easy for her. Everything's perfect. She's just like a savant. She's just gifted. But then you turn around and it's like, yeah, I totally got this wrong. The pattern's on the side instead of the top or I, 
you know, I made this math mistake in my layout. Like that's real. I, lo I love that you keep it real and that that's part of the journey. Although I have to say the other thing that I always think of you for, and again, you have to have seen Mary's work because it's, it's really, really, and you, you must pack for hours and hours because it's oh, literally yeah. like geometrically perfect and to your eye looks perfect when you're done, but you'll cut a wrap off, man. Like you've had a couple <laughs> where you're like, you posted it on Tuesday and I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. And I post, and then on Wednesday, here's the snake skin where you cut it off. And I'm like, no, what? you <laughs> cut it off. It was beautiful. I but talk can. to me about that a little bit too, about the kind of this philosophy of sharing your mistakes and what you're learning. And even at your level uh, where you're executing at a very high level, if it's not right or it's not what you want or it's not perfect, being willing to kind of cut it off and walk away from it. Because you seem to do that more than most people I know. And it, it's hard for me to watch sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm still I trying mean, to get mine to look like the ones you're cutting off. <laughs> That's what everybody says to me. They're like, if I could do what you just cut off. And I'm like, I get it, guys. <laughs> You know, a lot of times it's not, there's not anything technically wrong with it, right? but I don't like it, you know, okay. and if it's something that I'm building or, I, you know, or if I had a vision, I had something mm -hmm. that I wanted it to do and it's not meeting up to my standard, yeah. slice, you know, yeah. and I share the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I always tell people that. I love that. Because we are not perfect. Like the other day, I'll go ahead and tell them myself, I screwed up the chaos script, which you've already mentioned that, but. Well, I saw it on, I saw it on your social media today or yesterday uh elsa when i was gluing the the grips oh yeah the snowflake together, grips or whatever yeah forgot to put the hood down and wes got home early that day and he was watching the video and he was like mary please tell me you put the hood down i ran i was in the middle of cooking dinner i went holy crap took off ran to the garage wes is laughing cackling following me i had glued the the hood to the real seat and I was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, calm down. I got this. He got the heat gun, put it on low setting because I had done it like three hours ago. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's still I mean, possibly salvageable. We, we fixed it. It's fine. It works. It's great. That needs to be your next online course, how to fix various mess ups because we all make them. You you, you did everybody if you, if you was, taught that. Yeah, I was telling Mark Krause what I did and he was like, oh, that's nothing. I glued a real seat upside down. I mean, he went down the list yeah. of stuff that he screwed up. But I was like, I know, I was just funny. I'll tell people I haven't, I've got the video of me freaking out going, oh my yeah. God, because I wanted to finish Elsa so they could laugh at me. But I'll never forget uh, several years ago, I was, I was building a fly rod. Uh, with a guy who wanted a real custom carbon fiber grip with some different colors and all this stuff. And so sometimes I'll go to Ron Weber at uh, Southwest Custom Rods and be like, Ron, you know, Ron, he's got an incredible collection of wood and acrylic and all this different stuff. And I can do that stuff and I have done it. And I actually kind of enjoy doing it. But when you haven't been turning much, like to get out the tools and sharpen them and find all your mandrels and stuff and get your, it's just like, it's so much easier. He does such high quality work and I can just like send an email and it shows up the next week at my house. Right. And I love the limb key seats and all this. So I, I put together this fancy, it was fly. It was like black and gold and orange and red. And, this, and he did the perfect acrylic. that was a match, whatever. And I took some pictures of it, carbon fiber fighting, butt with a nickel silver plate. Like, I mean, there's some hard, like you get one crack at this, you got to get it right type stuff to execute on it, Rod. Nailed it. I was so proud of myself. Put some pictures up there and I get this private message from Ron. He's like, so is that, uh, is that glued up or is that just press fit? And I'm like, uh-oh, thankfully <laughs> it's press fit. He's like, yeah, dude, you're, you're threaded barrels upside down. And I was like, oh hell, I didn't even know it was right or wrong on a Limkey. And sure enough, I checked and I was like, damn, it is upside down. Like I, I, I thought I was paying attention, but we all do it, right? Like it happens. 
Nothing like taking photos to let the world catch you at your mistakes too, right? Right. Well, and I don't mind because there a lot of times we look at these people that inspire us, you know, anybody, anybody, and you go, oh, they never mess up. They never mess up. And I'll never get to that level. I'll never be able to reach that. I don't think any of us do. Yeah. And, you know, we get this, we put them on this high chair and we expect nothing wrong with them. And I'm like, no, this is real. This is what happens. Like, yes, we do some awesome stuff. Yes, right. I'm going to slice off wraps and make everybody mad. Yes, I'm going to accidentally grill. I didn't say mad. Now, now, now you're yeah, saying mad. Like, right. come on, that's provocative. I'm not angry at you. I'm just wistful. I'm just what might have been. I just feel like watching a perfectly good. We've lost a lot of good wraps out there, Mary. I don't. I have probably know. cut over 100 off, honestly, to like just. I, oh, once I, my, I for mean, those of you who are only listening and not watching, my eyes just bulge and I threw up a little bit in the back of my throat. <laughs> No, it'd be one thing if they had technical flaws, right? Or they weren't pretty. But I will say this. There's a few that you've cut off that I was like, "Mm, man. But then the second version, when you redid it and posted it, was actually better. So you're also not afraid to experiment. And I think if you experiment, something's going to go bust, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not always going to be right. So, you know, I really have this topic on my mind. I get in this argument with people like, can you build a better rod than you can buy from a factory on your first attempt? And my question is, and my answer is unequivocally yes, if you focus on all the little steps and you're willing to pull it off and do it again, if it's not exactly right, you're willing to start over if it's not exactly right. So part of why I'm landing on this and highlighting it is not that you make a lot of mistakes because you don't, but the fact that you're willing to say it's just not right or I'm just not happy because I know from experience that when you when you're thinking about that and you're in a hurry or you're tired or you know some rods just don't go easy like some of them are great and they're a pleasure to build and then it seems like some of them it's like this rod is going to be the death of me and sometimes you're just like I'm done like I'm done with redos on this particular stick that I'm not even getting paid enough for from this person who's just going to break it and I'm going to have to rebuild it Ah! You know, this inner dialogue we go through, or at least I go through, maybe I'm just revealing what a psycho I am. But um, <laughs> but every time then if I round a corner, I just say, oh, it's good enough. It's good enough. And I move on. That's all I can ever see in that rod. That's all I think about. I regret it. And I wish I had the sort of tenacity and patience and diligence to just tear it off and do it again, because that's what makes it better when you are mm-hmm. your own unflinching quality control department of one and you're willing to do whatever it takes. Then, yes, as long as you're willing to practice and try more than once, you can build it. Never mind surface prep and proper guide layout, all these various things that make it can make it better than in a mass produced environment, you know, guide prep, whatever it is, doesn't often get done. I do think it's fascinating that you're willing to do that. And I applaud the fact that you do actually make a better on your second attempt, which I can't always say is the case with me. Sometimes I take it off and I'm like, this isn't as good as the first one. Now I'm really tired of messing with this. I don't want to go do it again the third time. But one of the things I think you do really well, and you're one of the first, and of course, there's a lot of us, I would put myself in this category, like I can copy it once somebody else has done it, but I'm not really good about about creating it in the first place. That's just kind of not my creative strength or, or mind. When I think of really bright colors and fades that I wouldn't necessarily think of going together, I think of a lot of your work. Uh, And now there's a lot more people. I feel like there's a lot more people doing colors in your spectrum and your range, these very bright wraps with colors you might not necessarily see together. Talk to me about that. Like, do you have a process for color selection or is this just kind of your artistic eye? I mean, I've seen you get a piece of art or a piece of fabric or uh, you'll you'll be inspired by something. I'm having a hard time.
time calling something to mind, like how do you go about picking these crazy colors that maybe wouldn't necessarily go together on the color wheel, but then when you see them, they're really, really good. Like I'm thinking of the sugar skull wrap as being an example. Some of these like really vibrant pinks and blues and purples and chartreuses and greens. And then you really, I think you do such a good job with black and white and contrast and sort of just a little bit of separation or contrast can make colors and the shading and everything else pop. It's shocking what one thread in the right place can do. Like, is that just trial and error? Or are you setting about to do that? Or how do you put these colors together and get that eye for contrast? So initially, a lot of that was trial and error, trying to figure okay. out because most where I get all my color inspirations, like you said, I'll find like a pair of leggings that has this crazy design okay. on it. A men's yep. tie. Nature has great stuff. But I mm-hmm. also get on yeah, Google. I'm a fan of that nature stuff. It looks like the wood. Mother Nature, she, she's doing good work. She does great work and nothing, <laughs> you know, clashes. But I'll get on Google Images and I'll type in color mm-hmm. palettes or color schemes. Mm-hmm. And if I if a customer's like, I want something with blue, but I don't really care what the other colors are. I'll go find the most challenging ones and go, here's ABC. Which one of these do you like the best? And I always challenge myself. Like, I mean, granted, mm-hmm. yes, you could do blue, white, gray, blue, you know, and do the basics and it's going to look good. But I always like to to do the ones that you wouldn't think to put together because mm-hmm. it's more of a challenge to balance those colors. Right. The other thing is, is when I'm doing, I, I'm realizing now between the cutting them off, between picking the hard colors, you're just a sadist. You're basically a glutton for punishment. <laughs> you like to punish Mary. That's what this is all about. It, it really is. It really is a little <laughs> bit of punishment. Um, it's always like you can. I'm adding that. you marrying West to that pile. You married your stalker. <laughs> That's punishment. Like that can't be an easy road. You just like the hard way, I guess. <laughs> Everything's the hard way with me. That's right. That's right. But when when it comes to like figuring out where to put those colors in the patterns, it's all about contrast. Like if you have to make sure like with the sugar skulls, I always put my colors into hot colors category Mm -hmm. and cool color categories and then figure out which one of those two is going to make the the most oomph for pop against each other and you mm-hmm. just shift that direction. But it's all, and when you're picking your patterns, you always have your pattern. Your pattern mm-hmm. typically is what you want to stand out the most. So you, right. if you've got a really bright color, you're going to put it into the pattern and then the other colors are going to come behind it so that it makes it stand out. But I always tell people, they're always like, well, how do you work black and white into it? And I'm like, they're neutrals. Black yeah. and white goes with everything. So right. if you're doing a lot of, I do a lot of the rainbow, like pumping as many colors in as I can. If and I, that's that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah. I just am always trying to get like the sugar skulls themselves. Every single one of those had somewhere between 15 to 18 different colors in them. And I did a wrap, what, Kaleidoscope sometime last year. It had mm-hmm. 21. And, you know, and that's just me just being crazy. That's the Alice side. That's where the nickname came from for Alice. But black and white are contrast. If I'm doing a rainbow, I'm going to push that into the background and make the pattern black and white so it stands out against everything. Yeah, well, you do it really well and you you clearly have a good eye for it. And, you know, thank you for that because I learn a lot looking at your wraps, right? And I think your mastery of shading your mastery of content, contrast, and your mastery of proportion. And I know that sounds simple, but with this pattern, you're deciding how big to make the pattern on the blank. And I, I've occasionally seen people do incredible work when they're working with an inch and a half diameter jig stick, but then you give them a fine diameter blank and they're lost, right? And there's yeah. there's some sort of like rote memorization there. One of the things I observe in your work is I feel like you're able to sort of keep that proportion and that scale and move it around in length and diameter blanks and stuff like that. Is that all in the layout or or is that design element kind of from your artistic eye too? Or 
what would you attribute that to? Well, being able to take, so the Sugar Skull series, again, those were three completely different size rods. One mm -hmm. was almost a uh, 20. The other one was a 15. And then another one was smaller than that. I think it was like 10 or 11. Yeah, it was a little, they, right. They all had to have the same pattern because they were all Sugar Skulls. So I had to do math to sort this mm -hmm. through because one of them, the reason why the Sugar Skull was born is that blank was bigger than the pattern could give me spacing for at that time. Interesting. And I just randomly threw in a diamond as the secondary pattern. And I went, oh, oh, OK, that's how you can do that, you know. And that's when I started putting like patterns together and started all these double patterns to come up with these patterns on the sides and stuff. But OK, well, you beat me to that, too. I was going to ask you about that because I feel like I wasn't even really that aware of the side pattern, main pattern. To me, these wraps were all just kind of main patterns until you and i'm sure other people have done it too i just i when i first sort of paid attention I was like oh, interesting we're worried about the side pattern now that was sort of an outgrowth of the size of that blank huh yep it's completely but taking like the elsa has the same she's got the impossible star on her and i've done that one two other times this one i didn't think it was going to work because it was only four passes which means that there's only four threads in some of the tiny. actual pattern lines it's tiny right. it's not yeah. something yeah. you should technically put on an eight millimeter blank but i <laughs> This vision, I was like, right. it looks like the snowstorm, like I've got to do it. Right. And I went into it, I thought, I'm going to cut this thing off. But it worked. But that one was literally a packing nightmare. I highly don't recommend it <laughs> because every yeah. pack. I'm, I'm listening to you talk a little bit. I'm like, you're not necessarily making a big case for making me want to try these things. If they're hard <laughs> for you and you're saying they're a nightmare, I'm like, I'm staying away. The impossible star on an eight millimeter blank is a nightmare. I don't recommend it. You put it on a 15 or a 16 diameter, it's fine. Totally it's manageable. Good. Yeah. Good. That's manageable. But shrinking patterns down to smaller blanks is absolutely super hard. And a lot of right. times I tell people, pick the simpler patterns. Don't go crazy. Don't right. do what I do. Do a snowflake, do a spider, do a simple sparkler. It's all going to look really good when you stick to just having that one focus. On I actually models. think some people don't always understand what they're doing, right? Like if you're if you're in the Midwest somewhere and all you're building is bass rods and walleye rods and ice rods, and you see someone on the West Coast doing these crazy wraps, or someone on like you on the in South Carolina near the coast doing a saltwater rod. It's possible you might not understand that blank's an inch in diameter, and you're just like, oh, I could fit that on my little, you know, three-eighths inch blank. No, <laughs> nope, not necessarily, you're not right? So so it's great advice, though, you know, keep the, <clears throat> as, as it gets smaller, keep the pattern simpler. And you see that stuff, you can only fit a weave of so much size and complexity on a finer diameter blank. I personally think, you know, there's a, there's a diameter below which tigers, dragon scales, a lot of these things get really hard. It's just you don't have much canvas to work with, right? So, right. yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Because I always tell my, my students, yes, you see me do crazy stuff, right? Get it. But you don't want to spend eight to 10 hours doing a wrap, packing it, and have all this meticulous cross points and chaos going on, and nobody can understand what, what you put on there. Right. You don't want to spend eight to 10 hours where they have to get a magnifying glass to see <laughs> what it looks like you know i personally don't want to spend eight to ten hours period like my eyes hurt i have a headache and my hands hurt from packing just you mentioning eight to ten hours i'll tell you uh now now you're you're a lot younger than me but still like a, a little bit of that goes a long way for me well eight to ten hours broken up i never get to sit yeah. straight and work on it because my eyes go cross-eyed yeah. too and yeah. it's like yeah. nope and thumbs get sore ain't like it's just oh, yeah. but interesting yeah you also have done some different, like uh, some different techniques, but you also work in some different mediums. Like you've done some crazy grip things. You're really into the EVA grips now. You've done leather grips uh, and done, you know, art and painting on the leather grips. Like 
Where does that inspiration come from? Is that sort of project specific? Or are you toying around with these techniques on other things that aren't rod building and you decided to bring it into rod building? Or how does how does that all come together? Is it just happy accident or? The, the leather was a pure, just random 2 a.m. thought um, because I okay. thought, how cool would it be to do a leather and lace rod? Like that, mm-hmm. that's, that was the mindset behind it. And so I was like, I want to learn how to do leather. So I dove into the whole okay. hand tooling, carving, doing all yeah. that stuff. And that, that's the sugar skulls. Right. The EVA, so like this year for me personally, prior to last year, I've been just mainly doing decorative wraps and, mm-hmm. you know, doing themed rods, but a lot of leather right. work. And I was like, I want to get away from the leather because I okay. don't want to be a one trick pony. Right. I want to expand my knowledge. And mm-hmm. I have in the past played around with metal inlays on wood grips. They actually mm-hmm. were for a challenge build and never finished, but they're there. You know, I started wood burning this year. I started with the EVA inlays this year because I want to keep pushing myself to keep learning. I didn't know prior. And it's just the EVA inlays have become like this super fun project. But I had a bunch of a bunch of kids rods and rods that dictated I needed to put EVA on it. So that's why it's been so much of that lately. You know, and then I've got that wood grip or that two weight that I'm building, which that one's probably going to make me scream bloody murder in the garage wrapping those guides. But I was going to say wrapping the tip section of a two weight and I've been there, done that. It ain't no fun, but may the Lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. (laughs) Give me patience for that one because Lord Almighty, but that's my first wood grip that I've actually put together with G10 and carving on. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot of like I've had a lot of customers ask me, you know, can you do this? And a lot of times I'm like, I don't know. Let me see. And I'll go practice something and then I'll come back and be like, I think I can execute it. Right. Let's try it. You know, well, and if you're a certain creative type, it's really gratifying to try these different things. Right. And it's it's the the more you do the so I applaud your journey because it'd be very easy to sit and get comfortable being one of the best thread artists in the world, just do that over and over. But you're right, you might get bored. But I think if you think about being a journeyman or journeywoman craftsman, you know, that can do anything, that's true mastery, right? So like to, to, to have at least a fundamental grounding in all these skills, uh, to me, is just sort of what I strive to do. And the people that I look up to and admire the most are extremely well-rounded rod builders. They're like that, right? So I think that's awesome that you're doing that. Any sneak peeks or previews of what's next? Like, what, what were you thinking about at 2 a.m. last night? You got anything new and exciting coming for us? Well, I have. I've been pushing a bunch of people off until March to open up my books because I got so backlogged. So yeah. there, there is an upcoming um, project, which it's going to be another EVA inlay. But okay. I've, been, I've been asked to make a sugar skull in the EVA inlay. Of course you have. Why wouldn't you? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do all that detail with it. And I started looking at some of the simpler ones. And then I said, you know what? Why can't I? Because I know how to cut this. stuff. So I told him, I said, I can I can definitely go into that um, and try this. And I said, but you know, this isn't a cheap project. And he was like, right, it's fine. Right. But there's there's a couple other, I'm building a, um, a wedding gift later this year for an offshore. Don't spoil it in case they're listening. They're not, I'm not going to name names or anything like that, okay. but okay. Um, this one's going to be an amazing project because it's going to be kind of like they want the, or she wants the map kind of put into where they met with the coordinates and a bunch of other stuff. So it's interesting. It's fun. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to make you use all the, all the shots in the bag and yeah. all the tricks and every trick you got. It, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But that's I, fun though. Right. Like that's when you, I don't know when you're, when you're learning and it feels to, I don't know how you feel, but it feels to me like you learn something out of every one of these techniques you chase after, whether you succeed or fail, hopefully you stick with it till you succeed, but you sort of never know when that's going to pay off. Right. Like, um, 
this one trick you learn here helps you solve the problem down the road here. That makes you better at doing this. And you see the connection between these three things. And you're like, oh, I know how to solve this thing I couldn't solve with this weed before. Yeah. That's the fun part to me. It's kind of uh, organic and original and like uh, keeps you keeps you from getting bored with it, you know. And I, I think there must be some maker artist part in all of us that that wants to be sort of needs that and, and, and kind of thirsts for it and is gratified by it. So it's, it's fun to get to watch you on your journey. And, and certainly you inspire a lot of other people. I know you've inspired me. We, we started talking about the lessons and I wouldn't let you talk because I was so fascinated and asking all these questions. But if you, if you're interested in this stuff, you can go to threadcentral.net, spelled just like it sounds, thread like the wrapping thread, central.net. Uh, and on that page, there's, you may be familiar with that because we had David Boyle on and there's visual rap software on there, but there's a host of other resources. And if you go to products, you see all the things that Mary sells as well as Mary's courses, right? And so if you, if you go to the products drop-down box and click on Mary's courses, how many courses are there now? I think I've got 17 or 18 courses. Okay, yeah, there's a lot, right? I'm um, still trying to, I've got one that's still in editing that I just haven't been able to get caught up on. The goal was to do all of the patterns eventually and yeah. be able, that way somebody could literally just follow the steps for whichever pattern they wanted to do. Yep. And, and the thing you'll learn, I promise you'll learn if you take these classes is there, there's sort of a decorative wraps basics class where you get the layout and the terminology and verbiage and all that stuff. And then you can go through and pick a wrap and she will teach you in detail every aspect of laying out the wrap, wrapping the wrap, closing the wrap if it's a closed wrap, uh, ways to play with the colors, things to watch out for and how to time off. I mean, it's it's literally very comprehensive classes and you could literally if you look at the pictures of the the class that she's teaching, you're you're going to learn how to do that exact wrap thread sizes colors passes like everything super super helpful right she's also got books and she's got all these tools and uh um, you've got all of david's tools with the visual wrap and visual weave and the wrap sticks and all that kind of stuff but beyond that i guess the the butt wrap layout uh or decorative wrap alignment jigs you've got the double-sided duct tape exactly like you used the modified thread packing tool or mechanics pick um, the circle templates, the very specific Sharpie paint pens that work like so, you know, um, don't sleep on that resource because there's a there's a lot you can learn there. And and the other thing is we should talk about your social media a little bit because I already mentioned that I follow you, but you're very active. And, and you were you were telling me before that that sort of was the genesis. All this was you and Wes starting the Southern Rod Builders Group. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have that group. You still have the decorative studio. And then the decorative studio on on Facebook, but you're also on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok with decorative studio. Am I missing anything? Nope, that's pretty much it. I'm Facebook, yeah. TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. The YouTube okay. channel's in its infancy. I'm pumping videos in there as fast as I can, but yeah, growing. I'm trying to get it. To well, that's out. its own learning curve and figuring out how to you know efficiently produce and get that stuff out there too, right? So yeah. Well, yeah, no, no one's going to accuse you of not having anything going on. Don't worry. We're not, we're not breathing down your neck. I, we, I will watch it once it's up, but I'm not, I'm not trying to pressure you on that. <laughs> um, so, you know, fascinating stuff and and you should definitely check it out because you can learn a lot. And, and I don't mean this to sound like any kind of arrogance or anything else, but I've learned a lot from the lessons and I already knew what I was doing and I was already getting completely satisfactory results. So 
to me, that says something about the clarity of your teaching and, and bring it just a slightly different. And it makes sense to me now understanding how you're self-taught, just a real kind of easy, transparent, uncomplicated way to think about these things and make it work. It's just you're very practical and pragmatic and down to earth. And it's 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 less complicated and easier to understand. Maybe that's because it's both verbal and visual, but uh, certainly the lessons are among the, the most thorough and easiest to follow I've ever seen. And so I, I compliment you on that. So talk to me a little bit about what's it like to be a, a foundation outdoor group ambassador, right? So you have a pretty busy schedule. I mean, I see you at all the shows I go to with Angler's Resource. Like talk to me a little bit about that schedule and, and what you've got on the docket for 2024. If somebody wants to come meet you and wants to see you at a show, can you talk a little bit about like what you're going to be out there doing? Sure. So getting brought on to be a brand ambassador for that foundation outdoor group is just amazing. I was taken aback. Yeah. I mean, even last year when American Tackle picked me up, I, I literally went to the hotel room after everything was said and done and like screamed. So I'm sorry to put whoever was on both sides because I was like, oh my God, you know, because it was. <laughs> she screamed like, in a good way, not in a, her stalker yeah, found her in the hotel when like, she thought she was alone way. Right. Somebody thought right. I might have been murdered. Who knows? But I well, was your like, stalker, your stalker's got a key to your hotel room. Last I checked, this is not this is not sound defense, you know, policy <laughs> here. But, you know, it's been awesome. And they've given me a lot of opportunities to do stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do prior because yeah. of, you know, budget and everything. But, mm -hmm. you know, this year for what is scheduled currently and then it's subject to change. Sure. Is I'm going to be at the ICRBE this weekend mm -hmm. with the decorative studio and all that stuff. And, and this, then, this episode may release after the actual ICRBE. In fact, it probably will. So don't be mad at Mary. That's not her fault. That's our fault because we're sitting here just days before. But keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Um, then I'm going to your event, Angler's Resource. April 12th through 14th, 2024. We're, we're super excited to have you. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome to come back to the party barn again. It was fun Let's last go. Week. Donnie yeah. and Sally Paul's Party Barn. Mm -hmm. It's a good time. I, and then ICAST is the next one after that. Yeah. And, and that'll be the third week of July down in Orlando. Industry-only event. Unfortunately, yep. not everybody who's listening can get in. But Unfortunately. You, you set up there, and they have a big, beautiful booth. Uh, I, I don't know what foundation going to look like. I know the American Tackle booth was right across from us, and it's a big, beautiful booth. And you and a lot of other very talented uh, artists are in there rapping and building the whole time, which is very cool. You always draw a big crowd, which is interesting. It's so fascinating to me that in a fishing industry, and ICAST is nothing but fishing and fishing lifestyle-related stuff, there's still a ton of people that stop that are like hardcore fishermen. Sometimes even like the Elite Series tournament people, they're like, what are you doing? You know, and like, how do you build a rod? It's like, dude, you're a pro bass angler. You don't know how to build a rod. Are you kidding me? Like, that's so surprising to me. But anyway, it's a highlight of the show. So if you happen to be at ICAST, come find the Foundation Outdoor Group or American Tackle or whoever's booth it is this year 2024 and check it out because she 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 will you you watch there'll be a crowd there always is what are you, what are you doing funny. after ICAST waiting on Mudhole to release the advanced custom rod building classes okay. again yeah because I'll be back at those at, at that point not sure when and yeah. there's been a couple other things that have been kind of up in the air so that maybe two or three more events this year just kind of waiting for all awesome this beginning of the year is really chaotic for them because they got to go to China and you know all over the place PCS and everything yes. so Obviously, when you get to the second part of the year, we'll actually get some stuff ironed out. I, I know right. that they are wanting yeah, to Yeah, I think they're at China Fish like right now or this next week. It's like it's very soon. I can't remember yeah. exactly when it is. Yeah, because it's China and then PCS right behind it and then yeah. ICRBE basically. Or no, yeah. PCS is next week, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. there's so much yeah. going it, on. It, it's the following week. Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, is a lot so going on. I'm, I'm sort of glad lot. you feel this way because my head is spinning. I feel I've been home like two nights since the holidays and it's like it's 
I know it's, I'm looking at my calendar. I know it's going to end, but it feels like it's not going to end right now, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't enjoying it because it, it is a lot of fun and getting to be immersed in this stuff and all the people you meet and all the techniques you see and things you learn. I'm just always so fascinated about what everybody's doing. There's so many new rod builders in the industry or in the craft. And it's so interesting because, you know, I feel like certain people like maybe my age and older, we all came up a certain way. We learned from the same books. We went to some of the same events. We kind of can try to connect with people in our region and we just almost sort of went down the same path and learning curve, almost to the point where you could even, and I'm not saying there's not a varying levels of talent or diligence or hard work or anything else, but there was almost like a predictable curve. Like I'm consistently just absolutely blown away at how good some of the new builders are, right? And people have been building two, three, four years. And you're like, Mike Ward's been building like less than three years. I think it's like, what? Like I never would look at that guy's work. But again, he learned from you. He learned from Billy. He learned from David. He, he learned from, he's gone to all these events and learned from everybody he can. Obviously, he's very talented. Obviously, he works hard, but it just, it, it gives me so much encouragement. You know, the other thing that you always do that I love, and partly as a parent, partly as someone who wants to grow the industry, you've always got some kids around at your booth. And for whatever reason, you're just so good at, at being and drawing those kids in and, and being non-threatening to them. And, and for whatever reason, I've seen it with my own daughter. They just gravitate to you in a way they may not gravitate to, you know, other people who are sitting down, a bunch of hairy-legged old men sitting down wrapping rods. Like, uh, talk to me about that. Like, you've done some stuff with kid events and all that as well. Yeah, it was in 22. It okay. was actually uh, the first time that Jillian and I met. And mm -hmm. she... I had Jillian Mann, rapidly Jillian. becoming like Scarlet, a, you know, a famous kid rod builder, Scarlett Wilhelm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. She, she walked up to the booth. I had just finished giving a demonstration on how to do mm -hmm. two pattern wraps or something. Right. And I had always brought an extra wrapper for people that wanted to sit down and learn. You and apparently needed six or eight extra wrappers at ICRB last oh. year. Last year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, in trouble because my daughter didn't get to finish a decorative wrap with you. I'm like, what is, how is this my fault? I can't, well, she had those other girls in the booth. It's like, well, share. There's plenty. Come on, Montessori kid. Like, get there along. There was seven kids in the booth last year. but Yeah, so, so Jared Taylor's kids were there. Yeah. Uh, Jillian was there. Scarlett was there. I think Molly James was there. I'm forgetting somebody. But yeah, it's a lot of the kids. The cowboy. Cowboy, as we call him. Cowboy. Yep, you're right. That's exactly what I was forgetting. I'm um, sure they're coming and bringing friends this year. I know my daughter's going to be looking for you at ICRBE, so I'll apologize in advance and be ready. No worries. I, I'm already prepared this year because last year, um, so Jillian set the precedent, basically, hey, Mary School with kids sitting down and rapping because she spent two days there and I loved yeah, it. She spent a long time there. Yeah. Um, and she was a little rock star. And yeah. this past year, I got bombarded. I did not expect yeah. the seven kids to come into the booth oh, and they're all asking, awesome. can I can I learn to rap? Can I learn to rap? And I'm literally cutting projects off of PVC. I remember. And trying and we're in this little tent <laughs> and it's me right. wet all these kids and their parents right. and I'm oh we can't do this again next year because they're literally wrap they're wanting to learn so bad they're rapping in their laps yeah, yeah, yeah. Be rappers and I thought right. I can't do better so I know where you can get another one if you need it all we, we'll, we'll pack everything we've got and bring it. this year I got a 10 by 20 booth and the Atta idea girl. is to get a uh I've got a 16 foot long island that I'm going to pack like nice. six to eight wrappers on so everybody there we go Perfect. And Steve Wan, Jared's bringing me a couple extra wrappers because I oh, have four. And we're going to have some on the backside too, just okay. in, because I was like, I have enough room for the seven kids that I expect to come back. And right. 
Lord, let's hope it doesn't go past that. But if it does, then I know I'm, I'm just end up talking right. to Tom going, hey, can I have then, then we need to start selling sponsorships or something. Yeah, this needs to be right? the the uh, the the future rod building center of America, moderated by Mary and West Christie, and uh, right. well, maybe not a stalker. Maybe you'd get a different <laughs> partner. But uh, yeah, no, that that's awesome. I, I don't hey, even I know. Think that's really exciting. Like I, I've never seen so many kids at any of these events, and I've been going to a lot of events for a lot of years. Never any young folks, and so I think that's so neat. And you know, the thing is so cool about Jillian. Her mom, Meg, like they wrap together. They're working. I got an email from them this week about ICRBE and 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 they're sitting down and wrapping together. And I just think that's so cool um, and so fun. And, and imagine starting at that age and getting the kind of, you know, tutelage she's getting from you. Like, oh, my gosh, like she'll probably like land on the moon, the equivalent of rod building or something. They all will. Like what an advantage. I think it's I think it's fascinating. Maybe there's a a future Gary Loomis or something in, in these, in this group of kids that you're teaching or, or I don't know, someone who's going to change the industry. I'm sort of excited by the prospect of it. Well, even Jared's kids. Cause like I gave them all like homework and I said, cause yeah. they came back to my house in September. I had a little reunion with all yep. of them and they were anything that was in the shop that they had questions about. We were all just jumping over it, like showing them marbling, feather inlays, oh, trying to show that's them awesome. leaves, uh, custom grips. If they had questions, we were there to answer it. And those kids, you know how kids, attention level you know it it comes and goes but um they were in the shop 90 percent of the time yeah it's awesome taking breaks running around doing you know other stuff but 90 percent of the time they were in here hard this place was packed it was awesome yeah but i gave them homework and said come back to the show with a built rod and we're all doing disney themed rods so that's the reason on elsa and alice and jared's two boys have got theirs which his two kids, those two boys, oh yeah. my they're, they're good like, boys. They're geez. good boys. Yeah. They're they're amazing kids. And the work is just I can't yeah. wait to see their rods. Jillian is she just did wood burning this year all by herself. She's That's burning, crazy. burning yeah. on cork. So I'm really eager to see what these kids bring back to the show. Well, yeah, it's amazing uh, when you take a creative kid and you sort of fan those flames a little bit and don't tell them they can't do it. And it's it's and of course we're not they need supervision with some tools and chemicals and equipment and all that, but like they're capable of a lot. We were at the beach with one of my daughter's friends this past weekend and uh the weather was just awful and we couldn't swim we couldn't do anything and so it was like well and it's kind of the off season down there so a lot of the tourist attractions would be open in the spring and summer and the peak season aren't even open it's like well you want to go to the shop and build a rod and to my shock and surprise they said yes and so i took my daughter who's built rods thanks to justine edward and you who she wouldn't want to learn from me but she learned from y'all and this 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 friend of hers uh, catherine who's in the fifth grade with her and literally we built entire spinning rods in two days and i was just shocked at Catherine's aptitude and how quickly she learned and how much fun she had with it. And she doesn't even fish frequently. Like she fishes a little bit and she's not anti, but it's like definitely we only fish when we go on vacation in Florida or a place near the water. It's not like someone whose whole world revolves around this, like maybe me or your husband. Right. Um, And so it's just, it's a reminder again, how they're really the best students, right? Like she was easier to teach than anybody else I've ever taught and like totally patient, like didn't get mad when she messed up and was like willing to ask for help and was willing to say, stop, I want to do it. You know, it's like, okay, all right, you can do it. And, uh, and uh, they turned out great products. So like, I hope if anyone's out there thinking about it, you know, try it. Your kid might surprise you. They might be a faster learner. They certainly have younger eyes uh, and, and, and less arthritic hands than some of us from all these years of wrapping and packing and everything else. 
So one of the things that's also interesting uh, about you, and you would never say this, and to me, it's it's not it, it's certainly not the lead, or even in the top, you know, twenty five of all your your contributions and skills and everything. But you know, we're seeing a real change where, and this is very welcome to me. We're seeing more and more ladies in the craft, right? And certainly, you were one of the first that I met that had a social media presence and was out there with her work and teaching lessons and everything. Like, if we've got women listening who maybe whose boyfriends, husbands, relatives, significant others have done this, or they've seen it or seen some of the social media content and they're thinking about it, like, what advice would you give to other women uh, to encourage them to get into this since all y'all become much better rod builders than all us men in like half the time? (laughs) Just do it. Would that be the advice? Really just do it. Just sit down and learn it. Um, I, I have the women's rod building Alliance group that I have tried to, you know, I try to, teach and get them to share. And because a lot of times um, the women that are interested, which a lot of the women I know are duos, you know, they're, they're working with their husband or their, their dad or, you know, somebody else, right. but there's the, the standalone women that they just got into it because they loved it. And yeah. they, these women, I guess it's because of attention to detail or, you know, cause we can actually see a few more colors than most men can, you know, that kind of thing, but they're pumping There's out. something going on there. I agree. They're I, doing amazing yeah, work yeah. right off the bat. And it's like, I see you. And I, you know, I, I ran across another builder, Leanne Gardner, I think is her last name. Okay. Like I just found her. Uh, I don't even know how it happened, but I started looking through her picture. She doesn't do anything remotely close to what I do, but her yeah. style is just gorgeous. It's very yeah. bright. It's very out there. She's marbling. She's doing dragon scales. And wow, all I hope she stuff. listens to this podcast because that's a high compliment. <laughs> It's gorgeous builds. And I flat out messaged her and I was like, you do amazing work. Cause like when I see people doing, she must've fallen out of her chair. That's awesome. I, I, don't, I don't even know if she knew who I was, but I was just like, this stuff's good, you know, but I, it's really just sit down and try it. And I will tell, you know, it's a backwards way to get into it. But if you, you just want to learn how to do the fun stuff, yeah, you know, make it a couple's thing with, with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or right. however it is, and right. have them learn how to build the rod. You do the decorative stuff and eventually you're both going to want to like interchange yeah, crossover, switch. right? Yeah. And you know, it, it works. And you know, a lot of those women that are building, they just sat down and just started doing it. So really yeah. it's just to find something that you think is really cool and try it. And then yeah. Build the rest of it if you want to. Even the yeah. women's group, I tell them and say, hey, if you're not interested in building rods now, try some marbling on something. You can use yeah. that on that yeah. same technique outside of rod building, you know. On yeah, do, do decorative things on bait nets. You'll sell the yeah. fire out of them, like, or gaffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to, yeah. I guess that's still fishing related, but walking sticks. I don't know, wine glass stems. I've seen yeah. some cool, I've seen some cool stuff crossed over, you know. Yeah, pool sticks. I mean, it's a yeah, mat- you can take the same concepts that we do in rod building minus the yeah, guides yeah. and real seats and you cross over into a different thing. Absolutely. You know, because it's really just sit down, do it, love it, try something, yeah. figure out one little thing that you want to do. Hey, I like decorative wraps, then focus on that. Hey, right. I like marbling, then focus on that. Because And, and I think it's so interesting where these different crafts have gone different places. Like you look at cues and they they've way they've been doing inlays and abalone and all these different inlays and marquetry and stuff that's old hat for them right well that's room for innovation in the rod building space right Mm -hmm. like knife makers you know some of the stuff they're doing with kind of you mentioned in the wood and g10 or i can't remember what material you 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 know some of these really very traditional knife scale materials like wow that's never entered the rod building market we've never thought about it but it works great you know like there's a lot of lessons to be had there and they've already got all the bonding and shaping and finishing and polishing like 
figure it out, right? I borrow from them all the time. That's yeah. how that wood handle came to be. I used the G10. Yeah. I was following knife guys on how they did all that stuff together. Man, the knife makers, they've kind of got my attention on YouTube right now. Some of the anodization and some of the metal, decorative metal things, embellishments that they're doing that are purely cosmetic and don't hurt function or corrosion resistance, change weight, do any of that kind of stuff. There's some, there's some pretty slick stuff out there. Um, and, and their understanding of metallurgy and different types of things and how they react and what they respond well to. It's, it's fascinating stuff. There's, there's also some real good, I think some of those guys that make really, and gals that make really nice knife scales understand the contrast thing too, where they'll use a end pieces or layers or different things that are just like so simple that it makes it pop. And you're like, man, how can I work that into a grip? Or how can I mm -hmm. work that into a tie-off wrap or a guide wrap? Because it's visually very appealing. I, I love this notion of sort of finding inspiration anywhere. One of the things, if I think about you as a builder, one of the things that pops immediately to mind is this notion of theme builds, right? And I would say one of the things you do so well is a thematically consistent rod from sort of like butt to tip in every aspect without overdoing it. And I know that's like subjective and that's my opinion and beauty's in the eye of the beholder and all that stuff. But like, clearly this is something that you do. Like, was that just what grabbed your interest or was that an effective sales technique or was this what customers were asking you for? Like, how, how did you get so focused on, or was that a competition rod thing or how did you get into the, the theme builds? Cause that's, it's definitely something you do really well. Yeah. The, the theme builds actually came from the international custom rod building challenge. The, okay. Because Every year we had a theme that we had to fit okay. into. Yep. And, and I realized very quickly when I had that leather and lace idea mm -hmm. that I wanted to try to create a concept from the butt all the way to the tip because the yep. challenge is we're working with a stick, you know, and we're adding yeah. thread to it. So how do I carry the Holt Buster, for instance? How do I carry that concept all the way to the tip? How mm -hmm. do I carry a sugar skull all the way to the tip? How do I make Elsa screen frozen, you know, all the way to the tip? And right. that became something that I truly like those kind of rods are, are my, I love them, you know, because it makes, <laughs> well, it shows, it shows in your work. Yeah. Really concentrate on how do I make this, you know, the Phoenix rod that I'm mm. in work in progress. You know, I've got all of that fire detail and the Phoenix on the back end. So I have to make sure I don't cause them to contradict themselves. When I go to put the grips with the wrap, I have to make right. sure the wrap, it has to be complimentary and thematically consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw the final version of the grips. One's never sure with you. You might burn them up and, and make new ones. But I think I saw I saw several iterations of those grips. And I think the last version looked really, really good. So I think I've seen the final grips. I haven't I haven't canceled them. They need a final sanding before they okay. go to the show. So th you'll see them at the show. You heard it so, here first, Phoenix. You're not canceled yet. You're not canceled yet. No, she's got <laughs> epoxy on her. She's done. She's ready. Like once I put epoxy on, it's very rare. I cut it off. Um, okay. I, yeah. Well, good. That's you put that in too time. much work at that point. I mean, <laughs> cut it free CP even maybe. I don't know. Cut it free tie off if you're going to cut it. Did I ever tell you how many times, like one wrap I did, how many times I cut that wrap off? No. You told me you cut off like a hundred times. Uh, total and that's like a shocking staggering painful number to me like getting punched in the stomach but tell me so I, back when I was an idiot and did not I should not <laughs> have been doing this rap at this point in time because I was like eight wraps in I decided I wanted to do the predator where I had okay. to put the big fish with the bait ball and right, there's no right. 
for it. You just have to figure it out. Yeah. I cut that wrap off 15 times. And you know how long. funny. I thought you said 15, like one five, like more than a dozen, less than 20. I thought you said 15. I did say 15. Oh, Lord have mercy. (laughs) And you know how long that wrap was? Because this was on a, um, on a Lua blank. Oh, good gracious. So for y'all that don't know, Lua is the Hawaiian word for GT, giant Trevally. And they have this whole system where they fish for them off the cliffs with either casting or pulley rigs. And they have bells on them. It's like a whole thing. It's a really cool fishery, actually. Very unique and not for the faint of heart. But these are very large, long, big diameter blanks. They can be 14, 15 feet long. So, oh, I didn't realize 15 times. You know what? All I can say is I hope you're using Fuji thread because my I got to pay for college. That's good. <laughs> you just use all the thread you want. We'll make more. Right. I um. But what was funny was I finished the wrap. Like that wrap was 28 inches long every single time I cut it. Okay. Because I did the whole back end of it. Yeah. It's, it was heartbreaking. That wrap taught me the most out of everything I've ever done, though. Well, because yeah. one, one of the reasons why I cut it was I got it to close right and it was everything was fine. But Mary was running out of black thread and I just kept grabbing every black that I had because the background was black. But what's the problem with all the different brands of black? They don't match. They're not all black. So when we put epoxy on it, I had all this like striping and I was (sighs) like, but we go to the show that next year after I gave the present, it was a Christmas present. We go to the show. We weren't posting or doing a booth or anything like that. I sat in on Mark's class and Mark was talking about how you could spiral the wraps to make it look like the fish or the flags were going around the wrap. Right. And and she's talking about Mark Krause, the Munich rod man. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I got home, Bill. I seriously cut that wrap off again because in my brain, I went, I have to spiral it. And it was epoxied and already given. And I said, I told, it's my father-in-law. I said, Andy, I need the rod back. And he's like, why? And I said, are you planning? You're not going to believe this, but I just decided I'm not finished. I'm not finished with it. <laughs> and I and I did. I cut it oh, off man. and I spiraled it. And then I was like, I'm done. I'm not touching it ever again. Oh, so my gosh. Day, I won't I don't want to do the predator wrap. So if you're oh, here, like jabbing at me going, hey, you need to do the predator. And I'm like, no, because nope. I have never I have, again. Have never again. I'm totally burnt. I'm burnt out on the predator wrap. It's <laughs> over forever. But yeah, so one wrap I cut 16 times. And I tell people that all the time. I said, don't do that to yourselves. Don't cut it that many times. Seriously. But, you know, you learn every time you cut it. Every time you cut it, you learn something. It's just a lot of time, right? It Uh, is. And I appreciate you sharing that with us because we can actually see where you say, well, I cut this one, but then I added this plus one and dropped this and changed the shade and added this contrast. And now look at it. You're like, wow, okay, it really is a big difference. And um, I, I've learned some things from watching your mistakes. So I just, I, I respect that you have enough confidence and security to be able to show them. And then please know that you're educating the rest of us. We're sort of, we're sort of watching. And and, and I like to think due to your excellent photos and clear instruction, um, you know, we we're learning something, you know, I was just thinking about the Southern cause I hadn't thought about it in a minute. And, and the fact that that's sort of how we met originally and everything else, you, you started a very positive thing. Another thing you do really well is you take really, good photos of your work, which is harder than you would think to do. It's actually can be really challenging. And you started the whole clear background on all photos kind of thing, which was a big learning for me personally. Part of it is, you know, you got to have an uncluttered background and make sure the eye is naturally drawn to the any other pointers for people taking pictures of their work or or cataloging and adequately sort of recording each piece that they produce, because it's something you do really, really well. So when I take photos, I actually have whiteboards. These they were, they were backers to IKEA cabinets that I never put on, okay. and I use those as the background. <laughs> I just put it wherever I want you, it. And you need to get put on the IKEA pro staff, right? The, for that, yeah. <laughs> Who knows how many cabinets they just sold? 
<laughs> they got all the shelving, but don't put the backs on them. That's right. But that's right. I just lay it. And I tell people anything solid. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be white. White obviously right. bounces more bright colors. White. You know, right. white yeah. back over it. And a lot of your professional photo shoots, the, the actual item is with a white background behind it, you know, and I literally will lay that down and I'll get two or three lights that are pushing a bunch of color towards it. And mm -hmm. that's when I start to take the photos. Now, every single photo is not going to come out great because sometimes you have to do a little brightening. But we, sure. when we do our editing, we don't want to make it look unrealistic. We want to right. be realistic, you know. Right. But the just capture place, it. Capture it accurate. Tweak it just a little, you know. Right. Or the other best place to take it is outside. Yeah. On a cloudy day. Mm -hmm. sunshine, the sunshine will make so many shadows in your stuff. It's really hard. I actually got a new phone. So the camera, I'm still trying to learn. So these. Well, I was going to ask you, are you shooting it on a phone or do you have a real yeah. kind of Everything's on my cell phone. That's Everything's crazy. on my cell phone. Even yeah. the TikTok videos, all of that. It's all on my phone. Yeah. Now I knew that was, I didn't know about the stills. So mm -hmm. and this is a great chance for an Apple or Android endorsement. You want to go ahead and throw out there what phone you're using? And I mean, I just got the S24 Ultra. So, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's a galaxy by samsung yep it's supposed yeah to be the so there camera. you go samsung you want to sponsor a revolution and rod building in the states you have you know better ambassador right here than this young lady mary mcintyre christie <laughs> and threadcentral.net in the decorative studio come on show up give her a free phone it's the least you can do <laughs> seriously she's raising the next generation of s24 ultra users right now at ICRV right. this weekend. Where, where's her royalties? Come on. Oh, but I, even with that camera, it's got, the phone has AI integrated into it. Right. So it, it tries to, to do things that I'm like, no, to don't fix do it that. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I keep telling it to stop, you know, yeah. like the Elsa grips, the photo I took of it, that blue almost looked royal. And that's not the color of those grips. Yeah. Oh, it's really? Like, it's, yeah. They're turquoise. They're a little bit like, well, they're not turquoise. They're kind of like a, a sky like a neon kind of blue it's it's okay. whatever you know it's but they're not that navy color that popped in there and they so did look to, kind of royal on the photos yeah yeah and i couldn't get it to i could not get it back to true color and i finally just gave up but i was like in the video you know it does it to their true colors but for some right. reason the camera wants to make it down but the biggest thing is put up one or two lights on your on your canvas your stuff put a solid background whether it's a poster board piece of paper you know it could be a piece of cloth it's just something we always take pictures on our wrappers because we get excited we finish it we do oof, you know and we push it out to social media but the but problem, it's just a bad background and a cluttered everybody's photo playing, and, yeah. yeah everybody's going where's waldo and going hey i see a pic <laughs> hey you know and they're not paying attention to your work if you took the right. same photo and did exact same took a picture with it with everything in the background and then did a solid and you put it out at two different periods your yeah. solid background would get more attention than the one where you had all the chaos on interesting i believe you so you heard it here first a rule a, a, a mm -hmm. bedrock rule for the southern rod builders solid <laughs> solid color background people solid mm -hmm. color background they've got those photo editors now too where you could drop it drop it in there and it pulls yeah. out your background too right. so yeah where was picture. that when i needed it right i know now if they can just i need a photo editor that puts a couple more passes and maybe just straightens the very ends for me of the wraps at the very maybe that helped that helped a little bit okay. samsung got that i'm on the iphone right now steve yeah. jobs got nothing for me <laughs> Well, now I'm going to say I'm just I'm just following Mark's seminar and I'm wrapping them around the blank. Never mind that they both go the same direction. Yeah, there's not many straight lines in nature. That's why my wraps are not perfectly straight. I want to yeah. imitate Mother Nature. What do I know? I don't know better than creation. So all these rods, all these years, I'm curious. Do you have a favorite or a favorite technique? 
I have a lot of favorites because every ride okay. that I've done, you know, like the sugar skulls are my babies because they're, right. it began as an idea and then they turned into that a, that was a journey. Babies. That was like yeah. a saga. Yeah. Yeah. And the last two, you know, the purple and pink one, she's a dedication to my grandfather and Wes's grandfather mm -hmm. that passed in 2020. And then the yellow one, which I got the, you know, American Tackle Award for the Microwave People's right. Choice Award. Right. Um, that was for my mother-in-law that passed. And so okay. she's obviously that series I love, but the Phoenix is starting to turn into something that that's a personal reminder to never give up. To okay. always keep going kind of thing. Yep. Um, and last year's, the one I put in the International Challenge, and didn't make it in top 10, but the the whole koi turning into the golden dragon, the Chinese. Yeah, country. that was cool, Rod. Yeah. That one taught me that, you know, that was the first time I ever worked with snake skin because prior to that, I was petrified. of I don't like snakes. I didn't, I didn't, even, work, I didn't even work with the dead skin. You, I was you and my work. buddy, Greg Hess, I keep meaning to build him a snake skin rod because he hates him so much. It's like, dude, it's dead. It's over. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> Once you get over that whole thing, it's like, okay, this is cool to work with. But it was the closest yeah. thing that I could think of that I could make it look like dragon scales yeah. without actually yeah. doing a dragon scale. And it, it turned out to be really cool. But I I mean, right now, the Phoenix, the Sugar Skulls, and Elsa. I really love yeah. Alice, too, because they're all just, they all have their, their quirks, you know? Right. There's not really a rod I've built that I've hated, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I envy you that, because I've built several. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's fascinating. I just, I, I love watching you work. I really appreciate your creativity. We're very fortunate that you choose to share so much of it. You're sort of like the studio is always open and we can always learn. And then just, I have profound respect for you as a person and rod builder and just really appreciate everything you do, not just for my daughter, but for the kids at the show, other builders representing so well a brand, you know, in the industry and, and certainly a huge brand and foundation outdoor group. And just uh, so cool to watch you work. I honestly, can't wait to see what you do next. Now I'm really intrigued to see like what the status or state of the Phoenix is. Cause uh, now that I think about it, the last, I think I saw was grips. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see where you took it next. And I hope you never lose sight of the fact that uh, you're, you're always inspiring people, including old dogs like me. So uh, you're a, it's certainly an artist and an artistic force and an inspiration. So I hope you keep it up. And thanks so much for all you do for the community. Thank you. That's that means a lot. Like you're going to have me over here going. Oh. Well, no, I mean it. I it's awesome. I uh, it's you know the older you get, the the more you understand what you're good at and what you're not good at, and the more you appreciate when you see people that just are kind of unique with that creative energy and are just always coming up with something new and just always seem to have a different take on it. That is like an aha moment for me. And certainly you've done that a lot of times and I just I can't wait to literally can't wait to see what you do next I'm excited I mean I have no idea I know I've got a few projects in line but I really just sitting here looking at all these rods spinning while they're drying and the ones on the roll like yeah I'm kind of excited to see what else Alice decides to do too <laughs> <laughs> well We'll be anxiously waiting and watching, and you can watch too at Decor the Decorative Studio on all these all the platforms: Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok, as well as checking out ThreadCentral.net. And again, there's value in these. There's a reason why you'll see some things on ThreadCentral.net that you don't see in standard rod building catalogs or anything else. They're not offering you a bunch of stuff you can already get somewhere else. What she's offering you is kind of a personally experienced based, specifically curated set of sort of, I don't know, odds and ends and gap fillers that are very useful to have if you want to you want to do this kind of work. And like I said, I, you can absolutely trust implicitly anything you buy from there. And that's that's why I keep going back. So Mary, 
such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank Wes for uh, working late or moving his schedule or whatever he did to enable us. And, and thank the grandparents for looking after the knuckleheads. And I will look forward to seeing all of you shortly in Winston-Salem at ICRBE. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And I will see you in a couple of days. <laughs> awesome. And if you guys are there, please come Please come see me at the English Resource booth. Come see Mary at the Foundation Outdoor booth or in her booth and, and tell her how inspired you are by her work. She's super humble and probably needs to be reminded of it from time to time. So for those of you we see at our ICRB, we're looking forward to it. And uh, for the rest of you, thank you so much for joining us one more time on the Mastering Rod Building podcast. And please download, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast content. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye, Alice. Bye. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this week. But if you'd like to be notified as soon as all new podcasts are released, just text the word FISHING to 587-317-6099. We'll add you to our email list so you can stay up to date. Thanks for listening.